That song is at least 23 years old. I know this because it's the song I requested on the day of my baptism in the year 2000 uh, back in Menai Baptist. That's what you did. You got to pick a song that you uh, could have when you got baptized. And I chose Eagle's Wings. And so when I saw in our worship uh, WhatsApp team chat this week that Gavin picked Eagle's Wings, something inside me leapt for joy. And I must say, if I was... I don't cry often in church, but sometimes I do, and I did have just a little, just a little one, just in, just in here. So thanks, Gav. Thanks, team, for leading us this morning. Um, if you've been reading our chapter of Proverbs a day, um, well done to you. I highly encourage it. Um, I'm going to full disclosure. There's been like a couple of days where I've missed like a day, and the next day I've read two. Um, We don't want to become too religious about it. The goal is that we're getting the Word of God into us and to do that uh, just with that uh, 31 chapters of Proverbs in 31 days of January uh, that we would dive in. Uh, There's there's one yesterday that has stuck with me within Proverbs 13 verse 17 uh, that a wicked messenger will fall into trouble but a faithful envoy will bring healing. And those last four words caught my my mind, my my attention and... um, stewed passion within me for us as a church this year that a faithful envoy will bring healing. And I think about what that means for us as the family of God here at Kingsway, um, that we are faithful to the Word of God, that we are faithful to worshipping His name and His name only, that we are faithful to serving Him with all that we have, that we are faithful brothers and sisters to one another in this community, that we are faithful And the result of that faithfulness is that we would be an envoy, a faithful envoy, faithful to the end, an envoy of faithfulness that will bring healing, that we will see. We pray often for healing in bodies, in communities, in families, in nations, in things that are happening around the world. You know, as we'll come to see that the Proverbs aren't um, like, they're not promises, they're possibilities and probabilities, And the probability is that if you and I and us as a community remain faithful to God till the end, that we will bring healing, the healing of heaven with us. And may it be to that end that we gather and we be the people of God this year, that this faithful envoy would indeed bring healing. And that brings excitement to me, and I hope it does to you, that we will be this year, may it be said of us, that we will be a faithful envoy. You like that? Let's get tattoos. (laughs) Uh, Too good. Well, as has been already said, welcome to 2024. This is our first service back for um, the year and looking forward to all that lays ahead. I do hope that your Christmas celebrations and all of your new year was um, an absolute treat for you, that you um, had time to relax and unwind and be with family and um, that you were able to um, add many great memories to your bank of already great memories, that you come back feeling refreshed and uh, ready to go. Elise and I had a great uh, break down the South Coast um, with all of our family. At one point, there's 18 of us in our family, all in mum and dad's house down the coast. It's chaos, um, but it's good fun. We swam and walked and fished and surfed and bushwalked and explored beaches and read books and napped and did all of the things that summer holidays ought to kind of be there for. And for the most part, I found myself um, not thinking about work, uh, not thinking about ministry, not thinking about responsibilities, uh, which was a real gift. 
to push those things away and just kind of say no to them for two weeks. Not, not, I'm not going to go there. But I must say, the re-entry into life, as usual, in the last 24 hours, has been like a bucket of cold water being thrown upon me in my warm, cozy bed that has kind of woken me up to the reality of the new year, feeling like I've been jolted back into the realm of adulting and all of the stresses and the, the worries and the responsibilities and just all of the things, like even having coming back to a broken plumbing pipe at home, I'm like, man, I've got to sort that out. Why can't I just go back on holidays? You know, being back in the office yesterday, preparing for today, what, oh man, like why? It's Saturday, it's still holidays, but I didn't want to do that down the coast. You know, perhaps that's the feeling you've got as you stare down the barrel of this year as well, caught between the delight of rest and also taking the first steps up the mountain of the new year, uh, which at summit we can't quite see right now, but you and I know that 2024 is a mountain we must climb nonetheless. We have no option but to stay on the valley floor. There is an ascent that we must take into this year. We have no option but to scale it. And often at this time of year when we are at the beginning of a new year, a beginning of that ascent into a new year, that we pull into focus the bigger things of life as we kick off a new year. And perhaps over the last few weeks you've spent time in reflection. I mean, you obviously haven't been setting many goals, uh, which I will speak to this morning. Uh, your health, maybe you've been reflecting on your health or your desire to exercise more or eat better or you, you've come back ready and raring to go to blast those Christmas kilos. Uh, you know, perhaps you've been reassessing your personal or your family budget over the last couple of weeks going into the new year. Maybe, uh, well, I was going to say maybe you've been setting goals and priorities. Um, you will be setting goals and priorities, um, church. That's a great thing to do uh, personally and professionally and in your family. Maybe you've been th thinking about setting intentions for how you will spend your time. Maybe looking across your calendar of the week going, I don't want to hit repeat on last year. I was tired. I was doing too much. Maybe you're stopping and going, you know what, I want to find some margin in my week or my days or my months this year. Maybe you've been thinking about time. Maybe you've been dreaming about ways to engage your mind and creativity like Mia has thinking about ways that you can maybe pick up new hobbies or the thing that you've been putting off for so long that you've really wanted to do that brings you joy in life and all of that. And maybe you've been thinking about how you can etch that into the landscape of your year. And perhaps you've been setting your sights on the community that you're building around yourself and that you are a part of, wondering how that's going to take shape and form and perhaps is there vacancy in your life for new people and new friends and, or perhaps it's like, no, I'm hunkering down with my crew. I know who they are and we're going to do life and do life well together. Perhaps you've been pondering parts of your spiritual journey, your discipleship journey, wondering what growth looks like for you this year, how it is that God is going to lead you into new spaces and into deeper revelation of Him maybe into deeper parts of his word that you haven't been into before. Maybe you're thinking about how you can grow in your love for Jesus and love for the people that he places in front of you every day. I mean, I hope we do that every day, not just at the beginning of the year. You know, these, what we often call the big rocks of life, family, health, money, relationships, discipleship, personal growth, spirituality, work, education, 
the sense of calling that we have upon our lives, they all matter a lot. And they all require thoughtful prayer and discernment. And while this time of year can generate a sense of expectation and excitement around all of the new ventures and new horizons that are out there for us, the new resolve that we uh, muster within ourselves, the new hope that we're holding on to, it can also be a time that is quite daunting and quite overwhelming and quite uncertain of kind of going, well, I actually have no clue what this year holds. None. I wish I could tell you. I wish first service back. I could tell you exactly, week by week, here's the lay of the land for the next 50 weeks there is left of 2024. But I can't. And I hazard a guess that nor can you. And this is why coming into the new year, we decided that coming and diving into the book of Proverbs would be somewhat helpful for us in light of that. Because to face up to the growth and the challenges and the responsibilities of life with discipline and with courage, we need wisdom. And not just the wisdom of some kind of cutesy, quaint Instagram post or the favourite person that you follow or news columnist that has their you know, uh, mind, body, soul lift out in the, uh, the, the Sunday paper. Not that kind of wisdom. But we need for the road ahead Wisdom that is from the very throne room of God. Wisdom that pours forth from the scriptures. Wisdom that is wrought by the hard work of the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives as we surrender humbly to him and he speaks to us day in and day out. It is that wisdom we need. Not the wisdom that masquerades on our screens and masquerades around in all of the popular culture of what is happening around us, but wisdom from the very source of life. Our heavenly dad who the word tells us holds all wisdom, is all wisdom and truth and whose greatest delight is to give it to those who seek it. And so maybe we be the ones this year that are found seeking wisdom. Seeking wisdom in the scriptures, seeking wisdom from the spirit, seeking wisdom from one another, speaking wisdom, seeking wisdom from God. And to orient us in the word today, I want to show us a video from our friends at the Bible Project. If you've ever seen any of the Bible Project videos, they make wonderful overviews of the books of the Bible. And uh, this one is going to help orient us um, and gives um, some insight into what you have been reading, if you've been reading, or if you haven't, maybe it will spark in you a desire to jump in and start reading Proverbs for the rest of this month. So um, get your Coke and your popcorn. Um, it goes for eight minutes, and then I'm going to um, bring a few reflections on a couple of Proverbs um, after that. So Rocky, if you could dim the lights and chuck on the video, that would be uh, wonderful, kind sir. How good's that? Very insightful shows you the depth and the beauty of God's word. It's much more than what we just see at face value. So um, dive on in, friends. Uh, it's uh, a great book as we're going to come to continue to see over the next couple of weeks. I love the two summary purposes that the Bible Project guys um, here distilled for us, that Proverbs is not just about gaining knowledge, but a set of practical skills for living well in God's world. I mean, what a great 
summary that is. If we didn't call this wisdom for the road ahead, that would be it. Um, skills to live well in God's world. And their second purpose that they identified there is that it leads us to a place um, of reverence and awe. That as we read through the book of Proverbs and the, the Word of God more broadly, it's like we um, take a mirror and we hold it up to ourselves and we are to be reminded that I am not God. That I cannot choose what is, what, what is right and what is wrong. I cannot choose what is good and what is evil. I cannot choose um, what is truth and what is not. I need to humble myself before God and accept what He says is right and wrong even when it causes me to be uncomfortable or cause it to be an inconvenience to me. And as I've been reading a chapter a day, I've come to see each of these proverbs as little nuggets of wisdom. I mean, how good are nuggets? You like nuggets? Leon likes nuggets. Bite-sized packages of joy. That's how I would describe a nugget, a bite-sized package of, of joy. You know, it's said that King Solomon, the wisest man to have ever lived, wrote about 3,000 of these nuggets of wisdom. But only about 800 of these wise sayings made the cut. You know, these were the premium nugs, the ones made from free-range chooks that had been raised to the sound of Mozart on the green hills of Switzerland and had been baked to perfection, nice and crispy and golden brown. And uh, we have been left with 800 proverbs. You know, you think a, a six-pack of nuggets is, you know, a good feed. But what about an 800-pack of nuggets? Imagine that, Leon, sitting down to 800 premium nuggets. Well, with only three Sundays to look at proverbs, there's no way that we could nosh on all 800 of the nuggets. And so today I've selected six that I'm going to give very short commentary to and leave you with a question that would hopefully lead you to this place of asking some practical questions about life, because that is what this is about, being skilled practically to live well in God's world. And so I've selected six nuggets, and I thought that it would just be the right thing to do just to have six little nuggets up here with me that were fresh from Macca's this morning. <laughs> yeah, they're all right. Do you know what I have done, just to keep you excited, is there's like five kilos of nuggets about to go in the oven out there for morning tea afterwards, just to really remind us that the Word of God and the Proverbs is like eating nuggets. And so I'm just going to sit here and enjoy this one for a little bit longer, because how good is it? Um, actually, I don't think I... Fee, could you go and chuck the nuggets in the oven for me? <laughs> I put them all on trays, but I didn't put them in the oven, because I didn't want them too burnt, so... It's, um, it's, all, it's all good. So let's start with Nuggets, chapter 16, verse 3. <laughs> I can't do that, can I? I've got to call it Proverbs. I can't call it Nuggets. Or can I call it Nuggets? <laughs> Proverbs 16, verse 3. Unless you want to hear me say Nuggets, chapter 16, verse 3, uh, then read into it that if you like. It says this. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Now, if you pair that nugget with a solid bite of Proverbs 16:9, another nugget that says, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. 
And then if you take those two nuggets and dip them in the sweet and sour sauce of 21 verse 5 that says good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty, we have ourselves a tasty meal of intentionally planning and committing to things, which it seems like a lot of us have an issue with going into 2024. You know, wisdom says to us today, as we set off into a new year, plan well. Make some plans, friends. Then with those plans that you make, commit your plans to God. Commit then personally to your plans. Build some accountability into your plans. Work hard at what you've committed to God. And the distinct probability, not the promise, is that he will show you the way, that he will establish your steps, that when you feel like you are walking on uncertain ground, that he will show you where to place your foot, and then he'll show you where to place your next foot, and he will establish your way. So the question that I would love for you to chew on, to ruminate on, is what area, and if you've got your phone and you want to take a note or you've got a piece of paper, what area of your life would benefit from purposeful and intentional planning? It might seem like an oversimplistic question to ask in church. But if we're talking about practical skills for living well in God's world, what area of your life or areas, you could pick more than one if you like, would really benefit on January 14 today or January 15 tomorrow that could set a new trajectory in your life in that area. Now, I don't know about you, oh, sorry, if you don't know, rather, you could ask a friend or a family member because I'm sure that they will be able to give you some insight into where you should maybe be a little bit more intentional or a little bit more purposeful or a little bit more planned. But here's the catch. You're not allowed to get defensive when they speak truth into your life. Because if you can't see it for yourself, the chances are somebody else can. Ask them the question. Just don't get upset when they give you the answer. You know, I want for my plans to be established this year. I want for the Lord to establish my steps. I want to be prosperous in every way possible. And I want that for you too. But wisdom tells us, make plans. Commit them to God and work hard at them. So what area or areas of your life would benefit from purposeful and intentional planning? Nugget number two. I was going to eat a nugget every, every point, but I'm going to save myself the drama of having to do that because it would be a bit arduous and boring for you. Nugget number two. Proverbs 3, verse 9 to 10 says this, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. I mean, wouldn't it 
be lovely to have barns that were so full to overflowing that we had extra grain splashing out across the ground everywhere and we had so much wine in our vats that we didn't know what to do with our wine. It was just overflowing everywhere. We were watching prized vintage Shiraz meander its way down the gutters of the street because we have so much of it. Wouldn't that just be an absolute treat to have more than enough, an abundance of resources, have so much we couldn't contain it, so much that when we did go through the lean times or we were feeling the pinch, there was no stress at all because there was an abundance, an overflow, all of these things would be absolutely delightful. You know, we don't live in an agrarian society, nor uh, as far as I know, any of us are primary producers making a living off the land with barns and vats in our backyards. But for the most part, and among other reasons, we work to produce an income. An income that the wisdom of the Word of God tells us to honour the Lord with. Honour the Lord with your wealth. Honour the Lord with your resource. Honour the Lord with what He has blessed you with. I mean, again, we need to be reminded here that Proverbs aren't promises. And this one is perhaps one of the most poorly held out promises by well-meaning preachers giving offering, offering talks across the globe every Sunday. But this is not a this-then-that scenario. That if you honour the Lord with your wealth, you will be prosperous and you'll have more than what you know how to do with. Instead, this proverb is wisdom willing us to honour God with the resources he has blessed us with. And so I ask the question, how is it that we can honour God with our wealth? It's a big question. How can we be good stewards of what God has given to us? And there are so many ways we can do this. But here's a really simple one and perhaps timely coming into the new year. You ready for nugget number two? Set a budget. It's wisdom. <laughs> These two are having a Barney over here already. It's wisdom to arrange the resources that God has blessed you with in such a way as to be able to give the first fruits of what you earn or you receive back to the Lord and live from the supply of what God gives thereafter. And this was the principle for God's people throughout the Bible. Bring the first and the best of your crops, be that wheat, maybe it might have been olive oil, wool, honey, wine, or fruit, and give it back to Him to express your gratitude to God, to express your reverence for His goodness, to recognize God as the giver of all things to begin with. You know, it honors the Lord when you budget to feed and house your family. It honours the Lord when you budget to be able to be generous with friends and strangers alike. It honours the Lord when you budget for activities that promote rest for your soul. It honours the Lord when uh, you budget for learning and personal development and growth. Is that in your budget? It honours the Lord when you budget to have margin to be responsive to the needs of others and the causes he has placed a passion in you for. 
It honors the Lord when you budget to give to his church and his mission, which, by the way, are not mutually exclusive. Budgeting a regular gift to God's church through which his mission flows honors the Lord. Now, my question is what changes to your budget could you make to honor the Lord with your wealth more fully? I mean, that's a really big kind of existential question on one level, because budgets are big and scary things, but you know, when you break them down into line items, things become a little bit more clear, a little bit more simple, and you can see things a little bit more clearly. So having a budget enables you to be able to have a grasp of what God has blessed you with in order that you can arrange your finances in such a way to do all of these things that honor the Lord with your wealth. And this isn't just about the last two that I said about giving to the church. I mean, that's a wonderful way for us to honor the Lord but how we use our money in our everyday six, seven days a week whenever we're not at church and thinking about church, honoring the Lord with our wealth in all of it. So what's one small change you could make in your budget to honor God with what's right rather than what's left? One small change. So honor the Lord with what's right and not with what's left. Nugget number three. Love a nug. Another nug. And there's like five kilos. Did I say that? Five kilos of nuggets for morning tea this morning. So uh, dig in before the kids do. Nugget number three is be responsive to others generously. Be responsive to others generously. And this is Proverbs 3, 27 to 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, hey, Come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. I mean, what a really practical way to live as God's people in the world, to be responsive to others with generosity. If what before then in verse 9 and 10 were uh, of Nuggets chapter 3 were about planned generosity, then here in verse 27 and 28, it's about being responsive to immediate need with open-handed generosity. You know, I love how open-ended this proverb is. It is not prescriptive of what the good is that you could do, nor does it define what the it is that you may have to give. Perhaps one of the, you know, question, little question I've got in here, it's not the big question, a little one, is what is your it? What is it that you have to give? What has the Lord placed in your hand to give away? What has he blessed you with to develop or to bless other people. I mean, it's always so encouraging to see every year our hampers that we do for Christmas literally go flying out the door as people are responsive to the need in our community, to the needs of others, to see that microcosm of an example played out right through the life of our church. You know, we are a responsive, generous church when need arise. Can I encourage you, keep going in that grace. Keep going in that work that when our neighbours, whoever they may be, our global mission partners to somebody in um, trouble in our local community to an emergency that might happen in our nation, that we have a responsive spirit with generosity. Now, what skill has the Lord blessed you with that you can give away? I mean, this is a long shot, but maybe you have an hour or two a week spare that you could give away. Who's got time? That's part of the problem. But what if? What if it was an hour or two that this year has become freed up that you could give away to 
help in an area of ministry at church or teach scripture in schools or get alongside young people on a Friday evening or afternoon or night or collaborate with others in what you see God doing in them? What if you had an hour or two to hear about what God is doing in somebody else's life and say, hey, can I give you a hand with that? Responsive generosity. Maybe you have some expertise you can give away or an idea that you can give away. Or a few hours to paint that nice new wall that we've got out there that hasn't been painted yet. Maybe you could do that, somebody. Thanks, Shaz. Shaz is saying, yep, so I'll take that as an amen. Uh. (laughs) Wisdom says, nugget number three, take stock of your supply, know what's in your hand, and hold it loosely enough to give it when it's needed. I mean, there's some simple wisdom. Is know what is in your hand to give. Take stock of what the Lord has blessed you with. Ask the question, what is in my hands? And don't hold on to it too tightly that when somebody asks, you cannot give it away. Nugget number four. Give attention to God's word. Proverbs 16:20 Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Now I I can find myself so easily giving thought to so many peripheral things in life. I can lend my thoughts to all the things that I've seen others doing as I've scrolled their highlights reel on social media. I can easily give my thoughts to the news article that grabbed my attention that I dove into. I can give thought to my to-do list. Um, In my mind, there are endless amounts of projects that are just like scrolling through all of the time, like, and I'm waiting for it like a game of roulette just to land on which one I'm going to focus on today. I can easily get caught up and give my attention to all of those things. But in those thoughts, am I truly discovering what is truly good? Often, no. That's confronting. Although sometimes I do laugh endlessly at what people send me on social media and all the things and all the content that's out there. Some of it's wholesome, a lot of it's not. But in giving too much attention to the news and social media and to-do lists and the numerous inboxes that ping and ding and dong and all the rest of it in your phones and computers... I find that I am discovering not good, but I discover envy. Or personally, I can discover anxious thoughts and not the goodness of God. Sometimes I can discover overwhelm or a sense of fear. You know, I read the news and sometimes fear can grab me and I go, no, don't even read the news. There's no good in that. You know, and all of these other things that are speaking into our lives, is there truly good? Yes, maybe sometimes. Is there truth? Perhaps, maybe, but I have yet to come away from a time in God's Word where I have not found good. I have found times where I've been challenged and it's been uncomfortable, times of having to humble myself, which is a sting in my pride, times of correction that have caused me to wince as my selfishness has been confronted, but I have never not found good in the Word of God. I mean, the Word of God is unique in this way. You know, of all of the inputs available to us, God's Word is the only permanent and eternal supply of goodness. 
might be goodness in some other things, but those wells will dry up. Those rivers will run dry. They'll evaporate and there'll be nothing left, but the Word of God, the eternal truth flowing to us through the Scriptures. Wisdom says to us, give attention to God's Word. So my question for nugget number four, what one small change can you make to help you more regularly and thoughtfully read or listen to God's Word and apply it in your day-to-day interactions? Recognising that we're not all readers, some of us aren't all listeners and love to read. What is one small thing, just one, one small way? Might be just reading the Bible for 10 minutes a week. Might be 10 minutes a day, it might be 10 minutes an hour. Might be reading it heaps, it might be reading it a little more than what you are. But giving thoughtful attention to the Word of God and asking Him how He can show you how to apply it in your day-to-day interactions. Give attention to God's Word. Forget the peripheral things. They're not, they're not good. Only God's Word is where true goodness is. Nugget number five. Proverbs is uh, 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And in the same way as um, I am not yet to find, not to find good in the Word of God, I am also yet to find a knife that can sharpen itself. Now, I personally love to sharpen knives. Don't get scared. It's for other, no other reason than I hate blunt knives when I'm cooking or when I'm harvesting a big catch of fish after a good day on the water. And the go-to tool for sharpening a knife is one of these, a knife steel or a, or a hone, a, a, a knife steel. Common thing in a kitchen, if you've got one, then you know the benefits of having one of these. And you take the knife and you, you put it on about of a 15-degree angle and you just work each side like this. And as the two elements meet and rub together. This one's got a little bit of a chink in it. I need to get it fixed. It's cheap anyway. Anyone want it? I'll give you after it. Uh, But this is iron sharpening iron. This is the very principle that whoever wrote this proverb, it might have been Solomon, it might not, would have had in mind as they were reflecting on what it means to be in community with one another. That as iron sharpens iron, as you apply pressure, as there's a little bit of friction as there is a little bit of heat maybe gets generated in the midst of this, as there is contact, as there is closeness, as there is hard work, that as iron sharpens iron, so when we get together in community, I'm going to stop waving the knife around, that's a little bit over the top, that our lives begin to be deburred. I mean, that's what it does. It's taking the burrs off the edge of the knife. It's refining the edge of the knife. It is making it more smooth, more sharp, more effective. And many things blunt us in life, causing our edge to become dull and ineffective, having lost its sharpness of what once was and is still most certainly there. But God gives us friends. He gives us people. He gives us community to sharpen us to have each other's lives interface with each other, to sharpen us, to cause us to be more effective, to cause us to be more useful. And so nugget number five is this, find your people. 
Find people in your life that you connect with at a level where you're in proximity with those people, that your lives refine each other, where the rough edges can be taken off in loving and trusted relationship, where friction leads to growth, not distance, where accountability and challenge and prayer sharpen your character, make more clear to you your calling, encourage you when you are down, speak hope when you don't feel like you have it anymore. People who will tell you what you need to hear even when it is hard to hear it. So friends, build a community of trusted people around you. Invite others into your life that will lovingly challenge you to grow. So my question for nugget number five, we've got one more to go, is who has God placed in your life to sharpen you? Invest there. Who has God placed in your life right now to sharpen you. Take them out for a coffee. Ring them up. Ask them, is there anything you're noticing in my life right now that I could be doing differently? However you want to do that, it's vulnerable, it is hard work, but when God uses others to refine us, we come out so much better off for it. Nugget number six, and we're going to finish here, and it is run to Jesus. We, we sung so much about speaking the name of Jesus this morning. Nugget six, and here's wisdom for life. Run to Jesus. Proverbs 18, verse 10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. I mean, if you pay close attention to the language in portions of Proverbs that Solomon uses... Throughout Proverbs, there are moments where Jesus is right there in the text. I mean, this ought not to surprise us. In every book of the Old Testament, we see Jesus and Proverbs is no different. I mean, listen to this, Proverbs 8, 22 to 31. And if this isn't Jesus speaking through these Proverbs in first person, then I'm not here. You ready for this? Here you think, oh, Jesus in the Proverbs, what, where? Proverbs 8, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. The first acts, the first of his acts of old, ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limit so that the waters may not transgress its command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman and I was his daily delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his, in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. Jesus is in Proverbs. I mean, the types and titles for Jesus in Proverbs are rich. Jesus is the wisdom of God, the omnipresent and omniscient God. We see in 15 verse 3, the God of the, he is the, God of the strong tower here in 1810. He is the divine brother in 1824. And in 30 verse 4, the Son of God, who it says this in 30 verse 4, who has ascended to heaven and come down, 
who has gathered the winds of his fists, who has wrapped up the waters in his garment, who has established to the ends of the earth what is his name and what is his son's name. Surely you know. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. Wisdom tells us to run to Jesus. So my question is, not a complex one in words, but complex in activity, is will you run to him? Will you run to Jesus this year? When all the chips are down, when all of the uncertainty is there, when all of the unknowns in the midst, when you're facing the hardest things that you have had to face or whether you're on the highest mountaintop experience, will you run to Jesus There is so much else that we could run to. So many things that want to grab our attention and call us and beckon us in. Hey, come to me, come to me, come to me. But will you, as wisdom tells us, run into the safety of the strong tower who is Jesus? Let's stand together and we're going to take communion to finish our service this morning. I just want to remind you of our six packet of nuggets before we do so. Nugget one, intentionally plan and commit this year. Nugget two, it would be really wise if you move off and set a budget of some kind. Nugget three, be responsive to others generously. Nugget four, Give focused attention to God's word. Nugget five, find your people. And nugget number six, run to Jesus. And by a figurative way of doing that is to, to, we don't have to run to the communion uh, elements. Uh, It could be a bit chaotic. But we will step forward and this is for everybody. The table of the Lord is prepared for all. And for us to symbolically walk forward and and to take communion together is for us to say, I'm going to run to Jesus this year. That there is in no other person, place or thing the hope that I can have other than in Him. There is in no other name the power that can heal. There is in no other name a power that can see me through. There is in no other name the power that can reunite. There is no other name in which we can have the capacity to move forward and to be people of forgiveness, of grace, of love and kindness and compassion. Will you run to Him? And so I invite you to come forward and be this an activity of running in your heart, to come and take the bread where we're reminded of everything Jesus gave for us, His body broken, whipped, beaten, torn to shreds, that we would come back to the Father, that His blood was spilt for us, the atoning sacrifice that makes us right with God that He has paid the ultimate price, that the sacrificial Lamb of God given on our behalf, that we would know Him, that would be welcomed into His presence, into His heart, into His family. But there is nowhere else we find our hope. And so come on down. I invite you, run down, take the bread and juice and come back to your seat and we'll take communion together. So come on down, grab the bread, grab the juice, hold on to it. And I'm watching those nuggets. If anyone's going to steal a nugget for communion, Um, that's not wisdom watching you kids